A lot of these bands are starving and kind of playing for their gas money mm -hmm. and putting their heart out there. So it's always a rewarding experience, even if you don't know who the bands are. If you're not a member of that cult, um, you can learn a lot and always feel kind of welcome. So I noticed that. From Stockholm Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, this is The LPV Show, a weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here is your host, Brian Formals. Go. Show is live, people. We're here. We're here in uh, Stockholm Studios with Tom Starkweather. Hello. Who's our uh, audio maestro. And for our listeners, if you listen and you hear the music during the show, that's all Tom. Tom actually produces, creates songs, little clips for each. Yeah, we put together the soundtrack recently. We put too. together the soundtrack. It's on SoundCloud. Yeah. We'll share a link. And this will... This, we're, we're thinking, is going to be a music-oriented uh, episode again. And we're going to have... Oh, we actually have a couple songs for you, too. It's true. That you'll be able to hear at the break. So thank you, Jackie, for, hey being here and for getting the songs for us. Hey, Brian, Tom, thanks for having <laughs> yeah. me. So, like we were talking before, it was, you know... A lot of the people that I meet is always is, has been through the internet. A lot of our guests come through the internet, and this was you reached out, saying you found the show, and then you sent the book, and I was like, wait, that this album, this would be a good episode. So I think it's it's kind of very indicative of what we like about the show and how it works is that people kind of find it and then connect, and then here you are. Yeah. So. Well, that's funny <laughs> when you find members of your tribe. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And you brought some awesome books. We'll get to yours first, and then the, the, the books you brought as well, and we'll get to that in the second half. But I just want to start a little bit. We were talking before, and we didn't go too deep into it. You said you were, just give us a little bit of background. You were born in New mm. Jersey, and you said you yep. spent a little time roaming around before yeah. you ended up in New York. Well, I, I was born in Allentown, Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. and then my mom took me to Florida and we lived in a place called Coral Springs while she did basic training um, for the military. Wow. She was in the army and she married a drill sergeant first class. Wow. So then we moved to Fort Dix, New Jersey. Um, Fort Dix, McGuire Air Force Base is like right smack in the center of the uh -huh. state. Um, South Jersey, I guess is what you call it. So yeah, I grew up there, and there's a suburb called Hamilton uh -huh. where I ultimately went to high school. Uh, did up until the fifth grade living on base uh -huh. before we transferred to a civilian suburb. Nice. Yeah. So I, I still, I've driven through Jersey. It's kind of, we've brought this up a couple times, still have never been to Jersey, and I got to go to, I got to go to New Jersey. I don't know what's holding me back. <laughs> just get I off gotta, the turnpike. I don't know. <laughs> there's so much, I feel like there's so much to see, and I'm just neglecting New Jersey, and like, you know, I know it's so maligned, but I, I feel, you know, I got to go sometime. Get lost in the Pine Barrens. Yeah, somewhere, I don't know. <laughs> so what, at what point did you start getting into photography? It was in uh, high school. Uh-huh. I used photography at first to overcome some social anxiety mm -hmm. um, when I was hanging out with some rock and rollers, like the pop punk band. You know, my friend's older brother had a station wagon and a bunch of friends in pop punk bands. So we would get in to the car and drive to a firehouse or church basement. And I started to experience the underground music scene that way and independent music 
and felt inclined to start shooting. Uh-huh. And you were shooting, you, sh- you shot film. What, what were you shooting with? What cameras were you shooting My with? first film camera was Nikon FE. Um, classic. Yeah, 35 millimeter uh-huh. classic. And then later, uh, I went to photography school and started to learn how to use um, 645 Mamiya. Mm-hmm. So I invested in the AFD system um, first. Mm-hmm. So 120 uh-huh. magazines and 220 magazines, mostly for school projects. Yeah. And shooting live music, I quickly learned with that uh, camera system. It mm. wasn't so fast, uh, you know, focusing-wise. Mm. An education in the mechanics of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> medium yeah. format and what it was good for. Uh, um, Brad Obana. Uh, oh, yeah. He, that's what he Obama. uses. Yeah, yeah, he uses 645 as well, too. No, we have a few people. That's a good. It's a good rig. So that what did so then you start like I got to shoot thirty five millimeter for this right like this is yeah I mean you're in a crowd and you got it's got it's a point and shoot situation right you know it seems like it over the years I've switched to many different types of formats mm-hmm. now it's just a race to keep up with the technology mm-hmm. and try new stuff as it's uh, becoming integrated into the marketplace sure 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 um, so. Yeah, at first it was the 645 film mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it was like a million other cameras. Mm-hmm. So did you go did you did you end up studying photography formally? I did. Um, my first inclination was to apply to um, the new school mm-hmm. in Parsons and I did a summer program there. Uh, the next year 911 happened. So I didn't get to follow up as mm-hmm. quickly. I thought I would take some time. After that happened, before I moved to New York, my parents were bugging out. My mm. mom was downtown at work when that happened. Oh, so yeah. it it was like a family discussion where she wasn't so keen on me moving to the city right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked into another program called, uh, well, it was the Hallmark Institute of Photography. It was a commercial photography program mm-hmm. with no real degree. It's like a 10-month technical school. Mm-hmm. And... I got a job working at a rental house right. from right out of that program. So mm-hmm. uh, it became more of like an autodidact kind of like yeah, self-taught yeah, sure. post-education since then. Like 13 years mm-hmm. just whizzes by and I'm like, oh, wait, I never did follow up and go back to like <laughs> a degree program. So you said you've been so for... You kind of started out, you rent a house, and then you said for the last 13 years, you've been doing a lot of assisting, a lot of piecing things together. Yeah. Obviously, while doing your own kind of work as well, too. So mm-hmm. you kind of got that, I don't want to say traditional, but it is a lot of photographers. You hammered out assisting and kind of doing that stuff, and then you, you know. The studio built. education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, I mean, how how was, like, assisting life in New York City? Oh, it was such an amazing experience. It still is. I still sometimes assist. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's like a thing that every photographer who takes this path Mm -hmm. will have to eventually face. Like, well, are you still assisting or are you shooting? And, uh, I don't think it's that black or white. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was really fun to travel and learn from some really masterful fashion and advertising shooters. Mm -hmm. Um, who Anyone are, who who do you assist? Who do you work with? Oh, there's a guy named Perry Hagopian uh-huh. who shoots mostly celebrities and fashion editorials. I have worked with a Japanese photographer named Mark Higashino, uh-huh. and he shoots advertising and sports celebrities. Uh-huh. He's also done a lot of rock and roll 
stuff. His studio is in Union Square now for more than 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has some amazing pictures of Bowie and wow. all the rock and roll heroes. So um, all so like all along here, you're you're music is your kind of thing like that's your jam you want to like this is what you want to photograph and you're going to shows and you're photographing at shows and like yeah. is that kind of what's going on around New York and getting immersed in the scene it was the easy thing for me to do mm-hmm. in the evening I was working in the studios during the day and on fashion stuff we would wrap by 3 or 4 p.m. and I would have the rest of the evening to shoot on my own mm-hmm. and uh, I started pitching work to Spin mm-hmm. and um, started shooting assignments when they started a blog. So if you can imagine a time before there was BuzzFeed, oh, yeah. there was just you know Spin magazine starting what they thought was an interesting new thing, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. blogging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was where I started really shooting music seriously. Nice. And that was in 2006. Nice. So how does, so we, the, you have, we have three zines here, Teenage Rampage, Volume 1, Volume 2, Volume 3. Mm-hmm. So how does Volume 1 come about? This is, uh, so it says, uh, Bitters Canadian Tour, Winter 2010, photo essay by Jackie Roman. Oh, yeah. So what's the, uh, I mean. Oh, the biters, yeah. yeah. Oh, the biters. They're from mm-hmm. Atlanta. I. You knew I'd mess up something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was uh, interested in doing some reportage and mm-hmm. following the band around. Um, at that point, I had already been out on the road touring with another band called The Stalkers, mm-hmm. and I had uh, not shot a lot of travel stuff besides that. So, um, yeah, it was like an escapist <laughs> type of experiment mm-hmm. in photojournalism, and I kept a tour diary while we drove up to Canada. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, and there's a, a storyline, you know, of them getting detained at uh, the border, the border yeah. and mm-hmm. kind of harassed to yeah. a degree. Um, I had also just started contributing to a, a photo agency called mm-hmm. the Hellgate, mm-hmm. which was kind of um, this woman, Helen Giano, in Astoria, mm-hmm. um, started a boutique agency um, outside of her day job at Corbis mm-hmm. and kind of helped me channel some of my work into the uh, stock world and entertainment mm-hmm. stock collection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was making it with that audience in mind, it's like you nice. know, more uh, music entertainment mm-hmm. collection. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So, it, yeah, I mean, it's, so how did you, like, I, I want to do, did you, do this in mind as like a promotional piece and like I want to put this together and like this is, I'm going to kind of show you my chop. But what about the design? Because we were talking a little bit before like teaching yourself the design and... Yeah, I um, had heard about a new platform for Mm -hmm. self-publishing called Blurb. At the time it was Mm -hmm. still kind of new. So I wanted to experiment with that and realized I didn't have a lot of graphic design experience Mm -hmm. and I didn't have a budget to hire a graphic designer. So I just hammered it out myself. Um, and then shortly after that, other similar platforms started mm-hmm. catching on. So then it was a matter of experimentation mm-hmm. with like MagCloud and, um, you can start, you could start printing better quality for cheaper all very mm-hmm. rapidly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the teenage rampage zines kind of go through mm-hmm. a period of experimentation yeah, for me with for sure. self-publishing. LPV magazine yeah. one through seven is on MagCloud. <laughs> Check it out. Still for sale, people. 
buy it up. So what is so what Teenage Rampage Volume Two? So what's this is the Bruise Cruise, right? This was so I we check it. We'll link to the the noisy little uh, awesome. Bruce, but this was the one afterwards. You said that, yeah. or this was before or after the video that they did? Um, one was in 2011 okay. and one was in 2012. Okay. Um, the, that is the former. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. So what's going on on the Bruce? What's, what's up with the Oh, Michelle the Cable Bruce. from mm-hmm. Panache Booking is extraordinary and mm-hmm. really one of my best clients. Mm-hmm. Um, we... We decided to document this crazy music festival that she uh-huh. put together. It was nine garage bands on a commercial cruise line going from Miami to Nassau, Bahamas. Uh-huh. And um, she was into the idea, so she let let me come along with my cameras. Uh-huh. And um, I had some uh, like lighting setups and like all this equipment. Um, kind of on hand and just brought it along for the journey and kind of shot more stuff than I even know what to do with. There's mm-hmm. a lot of pictures that didn't make it into the zine, but uh, it turned into a good experience of mm-hmm. editing and writing as well. Mm-hmm. You know, sim- similar travelogue style mm-hmm. storytelling throughout. So when you're, you're out, I mean, there's a lot of partying going on, drinking, it's a whole, it's a whole cult. When you're in this mix and you're uh, photographing, are you just photographing or are you like, are you partaking? Are you like, you're a member of the the whole, the whole thing? Or do you feel like you're more, you take a step back or you're trying to just observe and, and do your thing? Or is it like, no, I'm here as a fan as well, you know? Oh yeah. I try to experience it fully with the people that I'm there with. Mm-hmm. And um, that was the the best part about it, was mm-hmm. being immersed as a fan and as someone documenting what's happening. Um, yeah, so I, I did eventually feel the weight of, like, burning the candle at both ends. <laughs> it yeah, does yeah. start to catch up with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's also really important to incorporate mm-hmm. yourself fully be part of the experience. Live yeah. it with yeah. your subjects as well. Yeah. They tend to open up to you more. You know, mm-hmm. It's really difficult to get close to people um, unless you're on their level mm-hmm. and kind of sharing mm-hmm. that experience with them. Yeah. Well, you were saying before, like how, you know, the photo, photo nerd tribe, you know what I mean? But like this is also the same kind of thing. Like these are your people, right? Yes. Like, yeah. Music, being immersed in it. Like so you're there, you know. Yeah. You would be there if you weren't a photographer. You'd probably be there as a, as a fan. There's a lot of cult following uh-huh. <laughs> around uh-huh. some of these bands and the record labels that are putting out these mm-hmm. um, these records. So the people are drawn to it, and mm-hmm. I just photograph what I see. Sure, sure. Really, you know, if you hang around long enough, you start to see all the weirdos. <laughs> Yeah. So volume three is Norton Records 25th anniversary edition. And this one's a little bit different. This is kind of a a black and white. Yeah. Um, We um, decided to spend four days shooting this uh, music festival mm -hmm. celebrating 25 years of Norton Records. Hmm. And uh, Billy and Miriam are husband and wife duo who reissue R&B and soul and rock and roll Mm -hmm. records. And... um, we have worked together on a lot of things. After Hurricane Sandy, mm-hmm. there was a very big volunteer effort to um, 
salvage some of their stock that mm-hmm. was destroyed from their um, uh. warehouse in Red Hook. Oh. Uh, so that was a real bonding experience as well. Wow. Shooting some uh, album packaging for them mm-hmm. and documenting some of their artists in the studio. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that I have um, in a Norton specific mm-hmm. catalog, and this was just one thing. Cool. So what does this is this is there going to be a volume four? Do you think this is an ongoing thing, or do you, are you kind of wrapped wrapped it up? I think I wrapped it. Okay. Yeah, it it might the- come back as <laughs> something else. Yeah. Um, I'd love to continue printing mm-hmm. some of that stuff. Maybe like outtakes that didn't make it in because mm-hmm. each of them was shot excessively, you know, and mm-hmm. restricted to yeah, yeah. X number of pages. Yeah. So uh, I will be revisiting it. Nice. Yeah, you could put it all together as kind of one volume of book. In yeah. So, the, all, so Teenage Rampage leads up to Old Domino. And Old Domino is a book that was put out by Brownola Press, yeah. a friend of LPV. We know, I'm, I'm, I know Al Palmer a little bit through the internet and what he's doing. Um, so Old Domino, I'm just going to read the little beginning, Old Domino, an ethnography of, D- of DIY in the shadow of Brooklyn's Domino Sugar Refinery, 2007 to 2014. The Domino Sugar Refinery, built in 1856, is a 90,000-square-foot uh, industrial complex on the East River waterfront of Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It's Controversial redevelopment has ignited several grassroots campaigns in the name of open space and affordable housing for the community. Three of its buildings were designated New York City landmarks in 2007, which is when my story begins. At the time, I was an aspiring music photographer struggling to keep up with the skyrocketing rents in the area. On many occasions, I would walk home over the Williamsburg Bridge after shooting an assignment, destitute and pondering life's puzzles. The factory's silhouette amid the decaying cityscape was both a beacon towards home and a haunting symbol of gentrification. So, this is, you send this over and I read this, like, what? Hey, that sounds I, all right when you read it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's very good, very good. I like the whole, it's good, perfect. But, so, basically... And I knew of, you know, Death by Audio. I kind of, like, tangentially pick up a lot of the Brooklyn stuff, but I've never been to any places. Tom has played at a couple of the places. Yeah, Death played by at Audio. Death by Audio. Um, I've definitely been to all these places. I miss them. Yeah, there was, was fun. a hotbed of activity there for yeah. a while. Yeah. So what's going on? Let's, let's dig deep. Just not, maybe okay. not deep, deep, but we'll dig into this. Like what's, so there's several venues going on, and this is kind of that... In 2007 to 2014, like, there's a scene coming up and a lot of music. And so how you just kind of, like, because you're into music and this is what's going on, you're living in this part of Brooklyn, like, yeah. going to shows and you're like, I got to. What What was the impetus? Like, you really have to get in and, like, was there a sense at the beginning that this is might fade away? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting that you should yeah, ask me yeah. that because the impetus came from an awareness I had through, um, there is someone that I wanted to shout out. Sure. Um, her name is Mickey Halpin, and mm-hmm. she's an activist and uh, an amazing feminist influence in my life, mm-hmm. and she was putting on shows um, under the name Act Local and bringing um, events together with the Waterfront Alliance, mm-hmm. and that started to open my eyes to a civic matter um, and the sense that maybe this wasn't going to last forever and that it was worth defending. People Mm -hmm. were starting to get really um, defensive of the community and the open space on the waterfront. Mm -hmm. Um, So that came first. And then um, the music 
started to happen for me after that. I started to get hip to some of the shows that were going on. Mm -hmm. And it was on my path home, literally. So when Mm -hmm. I wrote that intro, I Mm -hmm. kind of wrote it as a travel guide (laughs) if you were walking Mm -hmm. along the same path that I was taking home. And there was always an option during that time for me to dip off and discover a new band or find some way to kill more brain cells (laughs) (laughs) late into the night. There was always something happening and it caught my attention. So I was shooting a lot of music already Mm -hmm. for spin at the time. And these shows were kind of off the radar. I mean, they were not assignments. Mm -hmm. They were mostly personal pictures that I was shooting. Mm -hmm. So, and this, was this all film? Oh, it's a mix of cameras. It's a mix of cameras. Yeah, I was using uh, Canon PowerShots. Mm -hmm. I later switched to the Fuji mirrorless system. Mm. And there's like Canon 5Ds mixed in. So whatever you got. You, yeah, you sound like a proper uh, camera nerd. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. full, <laughs> full array of Yeah, I, I worked as a, a digital imaging technician uh-huh. and photo assistant. And uh, really, I love the technology mm-hmm. side of things. Mm-hmm. And um, lighting-wise, I was using some auxiliary flash. Um, and some of it is just street photography, mm-hmm. available light. So I was... Also trying to shoot some of the exteriors of the buildings and give like a sense of place. Yeah, definitely. As definitely. well as like highlight some of the amazing talent that came through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the facades of these places are not very uh, in- inviting or elaborate. They're well, just the kind insides of- don't look very inviting <laughs> or elaborate. I mean, like like this one picture, the well, ceiling's falling down. Death by audio. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Like, <laughs> These are proper shitholes, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so, I, I mean, I guess that obviously gives it its charm, but what was it about the community that kind of developed around the bands and around the scene that you found particularly kind of like, you know, captivating or, or interesting? Um, the DIY aesthetic, mm-hmm. really. Um, the fact that people were coming from all over the world um, to play shows with like no guarantee, no air conditioning, yeah. no proper bar, and sometimes like mm-hmm. barely functioning bathrooms yeah. and uh, still having a blast mm-hmm. and building a, a real fever mm-hmm. of music. You know, the bands that were coming through mm-hmm. were immediately kind of taking off. There was a, I don't know, power to it, you know, to um, playing at these places. Yeah kind of badge of cool or whatever. Well, I mean, you're the heart of Williamsburg here. Like, come on, man. I mean, this is in 2017 or 2007 to 2014. I mean, that's kind of the heart of, you know, uh, in the central part of like the Williamsburg boom. But what else I think is interesting too is 2007 is the rise of social media and how like all these like small bands and these DIY scenes use social media and the internet to kind of like, find each other to some degree. So I wonder, do you think how much of this is fueled by that connection through social media? Because all these indie bands, like how else do they get their music out these days? You know what I mean? It's like you play these shows, find your people, and then you're connecting with them on on MySpace. Yeah, or wherever it is. (laughs) Yeah, there's 2007 MySpace. Well, SoundCloud, uh, I think. Grease in there Uh that I was friends with on MySpace before I met in real life. Uh And uh, I think MySpace like stuck around for the music scene for a little while. For a little bit, it reinvented itself. But I mean, however they were doing it, whether it was SoundCloud, I don't even know what other music musicians. I know there's some other networks. Oh, now yeah. 
um, Bandcamp. Bandcamp, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, so, but there, there's definitely, like, a connection, I feel, to that, like, kind of like, DIY scene and then, like, you know. Yeah, there if, wasn't a sense that I had to rely on major booking channels, like the commercial mm -hmm. um, music festival circuit was no mm -hmm. longer my only option for hearing new bands. Um, mm -hmm. So that yeah. was refreshing yeah. and exciting. But it gets, it's like this opaque world of New York music scene where it's like, and this kind of, we talked with uh, Sasha Leka a yeah. little bit, where he's like, you kind of know, you know, you know the place and you go and you see him, what's going on. It's like, I don't, me, I don't know shit about any of this stuff because well, I can't follow it. But like, I don't this, know that anyone really does. Like you're just going um, to check out a show. Maybe yeah. you know a band that's playing, and maybe you know some people there, uh -huh. but you don't necessarily know everything about what's going to happen. But it very much is a scene. I mean, there yeah. is a very, there isn't. You can't pretend you're in New York City. These band, you know, they're playing for certain people, and there's certain, you know, like you're in New York playing yeah. an underground scene like that. There's Have a certain fun. glamour to it too, you know, even if it's in yeah, a place when, that's falling apart. When you're in these places yeah. and you're sweating to death, there's a porous quality to it where you don't really have to be a part of the scene in order to get absorbed yeah. by it. You can show up not knowing who any of the bands are mm -hmm. and just walk into the back, hang around the merch table and discover things that they mm -hmm. have made um, with very little means and things that they're really passionate about promoting mm -hmm. themselves. And a lot of these bands are starving and kind of playing for their gas money mm -hmm. and putting their heart out there. So it's always a rewarding experience, even if you don't know who the bands are. Mm -hmm. If you're not a member of that cult, mm -hmm. um, you can learn a lot and always feel kind of welcome. So I noticed that mm -hmm. and um, tried to draw from it as much as I could. Mm -hmm. So let's say that this is starting, you know that the end is coming. Like at some point, everyone knew the, the party's ending, right? Like this is, it's not... It, yeah, it, people are like yuppies are going to be living in these places. You know, they're going to redo the buildings or what have you, and it's going to be. You know, this is welcome to Bushwick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the inevitability of this part. Of what is going on at the end of this kind of like? Is it you know this folding or the scenes kind of like ending? What's going? How? What was the sense there in like 2014 that it's all coming to an end? You know, um, was there this idea that there's something special? You know that that well, had happened. Yeah, there's. Um you know, a development plan for these glass towers that are going up there. And it's mm -hmm. the effects have been drawn out. And I've watched these places close as yeah. kind of like a domino effect, um, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the first one being Monster Island. Mm -hmm. um, and that was uh, 2011 when mm -hmm. they closed. So it happened over a couple years. And I was following a lot of notes from community board meetings on mm -hmm. what is going to be there in the future and kind of seeing the struggle with um, affordable housing come mm -hmm. up again and again on um, tickets and just like watching the effects unfold. You no, know, the character of the, the neighborhood really changed. Uh, we used to play at Zebulon a lot. I like that venue oh, that was a great so place. much. Yeah. Uh, and they started getting these noise complaints, I guess, they didn't really have before. And then that eventually shut them down. Yeah, I guess the sense at the end of it was that there wasn't, it did start to feel a little bit hopeless mm -hmm. for me, like, okay, there's nothing else that we can do to prevent, um, you know, this uh, from happening. So I just took it a little more seriously in mm -hmm. organizing and editing 
the work um, because I knew it would be more important to me mm-hmm. as time went on. Mm-hmm. So how does the book? How did the book come about? How do you get hooked oh, up with Brown Owl? Al Palmer uh-huh. reached out to me on Twitter, uh-huh. and nice. we had uh-huh. some uh, similar tastes in music. Mm-hmm. There was a couple bands that he was really into, so we started talking, and um, it was his idea. Nice, wow, yeah. nice. And I, I had, yeah. I had the edit together as a book project loosely, mm-hmm. um, but no real reason mm-hmm. to put it together in book form until he brought it up mm-hmm. and offered to publish it. And, and I what I like about it, yeah, of course. Like, what I like about it too is that it's an intimate book too, which yeah. has to kind of reflect the intimate nature of the shows too. There isn't, I mean, it's a, it's a very he's very smart. Like to make it in this format too, and then I think it is even important to have the little captions too. I think like having that that information. A lot of times captions, you know, in an art kind of context, it's like you don't care. But this stuff is like very important because it is a historical kind of like thing. Yeah. Like this, that's important. So I think the whole, the format of it when the captions, you know, that it all works together to try to create this intimate experience of the scene. So sure. I think that was a very wise choice to make it a small book. And I like small books. Small books are great. You I know? thought the captions were just a byproduct of my mm-hmm. inclination to archive Everything. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. You know, and the ethno- ethnography part of uh-huh. it um, is truly just a data set. So the metadata that's embedded into mm-hmm. the files mm-hmm. is really a way for me to reference my own memory. Oh, that totally. Time. Um, yeah. Oh, we could we could go deep into that. Uh, into the archives. <laughs> we'll, maybe we'll have to we'll have to save for the second part. Yeah. It's part yeah. of the joy of that process. Really uh-huh. is. Um, cataloging and getting better at archiving mm-hmm. um yeah we're, we're yeah we're fans of the archive of archiving <laughs> well, I, great. Take, I take it pretty seriously because uh-huh. yeah, I, I do i feel like it's a responsibility i have to the artists mm-hmm. um in a way that um comes back later mm-hmm. you know to uh have memories of this time it, it was such a fleeting thing yeah you know it was uh a way for me to make a mark of it, mm. make a bookmark on it now. Mm. Um, it did feel a little bit soon. You know, I, I had a hard time yeah. kind of promoting the book because it wasn't happy, joyous yeah. type of um, thing to mm. celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an exhibition of some of these photographs in a show called R.I.P. D.I.Y. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Death by Audio. Oh, cool. Right before they closed. Cool. So the last couple weeks that they were open, they took over the building mm-hmm. and installed. So the do books. they all they all know about the book? All the bands yeah. and all them like they the bands. Yeah, most of them do. A yeah. lot of them are traveling most right, of the time, right. so it's like sending letters uh-huh. and emails with uh, updates about the book. Mm-hmm. Where they can get it is a big deal because yeah. the distributor is mostly based in Europe, mm-hmm. um, so there's not a lot of places in the U.S. Where you can get it mm-hmm. right now. So where where did this where does the scene where did the scene go? Like it doesn't then nothing just disappears in New York. It just goes somewhere else, right? It's like energy, it just, yeah, it dissipates. Yeah, it dissipates. It's somewhere still else. happening. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not in that. Is it in geographic Queens? specific? No, it's not in Queens. It's definitely not. Not in Queens. Queens. Oh, okay. Well, it's, then it's not far not far from here. Bushwick. Okay. Like Silent Barn, Market Hotel, Alphaville, I mm. suppose. Which is more of a proper venue. Yeah, I just heard um, the Soul Clap dance party that Jonathan Tobin does yeah. is happening at Market Hotel now. And some of the images in the book are from the original mm. 
Soul Clap location oh. at Glasslands. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So it was interesting to see that party grow mm-hmm. into a wildly popular mm. yeah. dance contest phenomenon. So are you following it? Are you? I mean, have you migrated over to the wherever they are now? These I new places? wasn't able to make it to uh, Market Hotel mm. a couple weeks ago uh, because I was out of town, but. Mm. I intend to follow it. Yeah. So you're still shooting the same. You're still sh- photographing the bands. You're still showing up and doing. To be honest, I have taken a bit of a break. Uh-huh. Uh After publishing the book, I wanted to slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned the acceleration of online publishing and blogging and mm-hmm. all this new media, and I made a little graph uh, that correlates like the amount of gigs that I need uh-huh. to store the images uh-huh. um, across a timeline. <laughs> and I realized that the files kept getting bigger and I just kept shooting more and more stuff. Uh-huh. And I wasn't tending to it. So yeah. mm. publishing this book gave me the opportunity to uh, start really cataloging in a more serious way. Mm. And I realized that I needed to take some time to organize things like uh, copyright registrations mm. and um, reverse metadata tagging in order to access mm. the images and make sure that they're mm. backed up properly mm. and kind of protected for the day when I'm dead and gone. Jesus. And I still <laughs> owe these artists, uh-huh. you know, who've been so gracious to let me photograph them, uh-huh. um, the access. You know, I want to make sure that these images survive mm. much longer than I do. So, um, so. so these pictures are not solely just for you. No, no, yeah. of course not. Yeah, It feels like a... Um, like I'm returning mm. the favor. Mm-hmm. These artists Definitely. have graced me with their talent, and it's the least I can do mm-hmm. is document what they're doing. Well, you have you'll have to eventually set up a big archive, like an open source archive. Oh, of course, like that. yeah. That'd be gnarly. I have a network attached storage uh-huh. server that I configured, and I'm slowly doing this uh-huh. migration. So when you start spending hours doing data migration, mm. You don't have a lot of hours left over to go out and rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not as much. I, yeah. I'll pick it back up soon. Yeah, Just yeah. kind of took took some time to organize the stuff that I had already. Cool. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about the books you brought. Cool. Thank you. Instant, instant photography. 
Because I'm trying to make it. If you're a follower of the show, you see we've been throwing up the Instax photos. You probably heard it in a few episodes. And we tried it. Yeah. It makes makes a fun sound. Yeah. But anyway, like what you were telling you were what what was the story you were telling? Camera does the rest. <laughs> you were telling us about um, Edward Land. Oh, Edwin Land. Edwin Land. And um, the book called A Triumph of Genius mm-hmm. about his innovation and the ensuing patent war against Kodak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a a law drama. Oh, I guess. Wow, I'm it's unfamiliar. A, it's a book. Yeah, wow. I. Listen to it as an audiobook. Okay. It was like 24 yeah. hours. This was kind of dry, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, I'm yeah, reading another book um, right now about the effects that instant photography had. This on exists as like a, this is like a, a book book by like a academic kind of person. <laughs> like, yeah. A, wow. Uh, Peter Cruz, I think uh-huh. he's, a, he's in England and he's a professor for there. So. That is, yeah, being, it's really informative. Um, Are you noticing comparisons to, like, using phone cameras? and The digital uh, revolution? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so far. I haven't finished the book yet. Mm-hmm. But. See, for me, they need to make it into a TV series. <laughs> you got to make it into, like, a four-part TV series, then... I'll make I, yeah. a listicle for you. <laughs> well, no, come on. Don't, I, don't, I only make listicles for money. <laughs> we won't get into that, though. That's, nobody wants to hear that shit. Um, but we're going to talk about these books, and this is, it all ties together, very much mm-hmm. ties together. So the first one we have is The Psychological Portrait, Marcel Sternberger's Revelations in Photography. And this was uh, by Skira Rizzoli. It was the publisher. So, um, well, I'll just read this little blurb here. Here are extraordinary people as no other, no other would portray them. Great minds of the modern age revealed as no other photographer would. So tell us uh, why you brought this book. Well, I recently interviewed the author, Jacob Lowenteel, who is a photography historian, mm-hmm. about this work and his research mm-hmm. uh, into the Sternberger archive Um, which includes lots of recordings um, that the photographer had with his subjects. Really? Wow. No shit. Yeah. He was, Marcel Sternberger was in World War I an intelligence officer, and he spoke 14 different languages. Uh And in World War II, he was a refugee and moved across 10 countries with his wife. Wow. Wow became a notable celebrity photographer of his time. Um, So his images were used for official portraits of um, notable politicians. Um, So the U.S. Dime has this portrait of Franklin Roosevelt that he shot. And, um, yeah, some of his images I think are really iconic. Mm -hmm. So I was interested in the book when it came out and... And this did this from the American Photo article that you did? Yes, okay. I I wrote about it for American Photo, where um, Jeanette Moses mm-hmm. is the editor there, mm-hmm. and her and I exhibited photographs together at Death by Audio. So that's how uh-huh. it all kind of ties back uh, wow. into oh, the nice. old Domino book. Nice. So and like, how? What about writing? What was what got you into like wanting to write? Uh, I don't know if I wanted to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was necessary. I think mm-hmm. there was um, an interview that I did over email, mm-hmm. and then um, I also 
went to his author talk mm -hmm. about the book and just followed up with a lot mm -hmm. of questions and it turned into this long drawn out conversation. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, talk about a podcast. I mean, if he recorded all these interviews, yeah. like yeah. We're, how long are those? Do you, I mean, do you have I haven't, yeah, I haven't got the tally uh -huh. of how many minutes they really have recorded, but, um, one of his sitters was Albert Einstein, so yeah. I would love to right. hear. That would be an amazing <laughs> podcast. It's uh, that would be awesome. Like somebody need that's Rizzoli. Come on, man! Like yes. you got to get on that. Let's yeah. like promote the book. This is why I work in marketing, <laughs> content marketing. I would no, listen to that podcast series. Totally, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah! Like I bet it would be weird. I wonder what questions. His he'd range ask. was incredible. He had on the on the same. Uh, Token traveled to Mexico to photograph the president of Mexico and then shortly after became friends with Mexico's famous like radicals, uh, communist radicals, Frida Kahlo and um, Diego Rivera. Mm -hmm. So to have that kind of access um, on both sides right. of the spectrum, I think he probably has just an invaluable. He must have been a great intelligence record. officer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make his, a movie. Somebody make a movie. About his it. technique. Um, so, mm. so right. He was kind of a celebrity photographer in his day, and he went on to develop a theory of psychological portraiture. So mm. that's really what the book is about: is his technique in analysis. He would kind of sit his subjects down and circle them uh, against a plain background and. Um, use a handheld Leica to kind of find their best angle and the attributes that most accentuated their inner soul. Yeah. His, um, his process was really... So do you believe that stuff? That <laughs> uh, works? It, I think it was successful for him mm -hmm. at the time. Um, but what I'm saying is like he could just sit down and like take one picture and get that, that same picture. If all the conditions were right, yeah. But yeah, maybe like somebody there could be like some. I don't know. I think the photograph. I don't. I don't. Th I think the photograph. I think you can just. It can just be there. And I don't know if you have to necessarily. I don't. This is why I'm not into it. The in context portrait. isn't yeah. always important right. in an image, a mm -hmm. portrait. Mm -hmm. um, but when you do have the context and you get to know someone and apply what you know about them in their mm. posing, this was like a radical new line of thinking mm. for um, portraits, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. uh, he wanted to really dig deep into their psyche before creating this everlasting impression. Mm -hmm. Well, I get the impulse as like an artist to want to do, and I think like recording the conversations is actually might get might get him closer to that. I don't know if you can do it in the photograph. I don't like she she I mean she could be meditating on death there. She could be like shit, I got to leave in 2 minutes and like <laughs> make dinner tonight. You know what I mean? Or like uh, she there could be nothing. I don't know if you can read into necessarily what is going on in her mind because of the photograph. Right. It's maybe the um, environment mm -hmm. setting the lighting and making a uh, an experience for the sitter that mm -hmm. allows them to reveal inner truths yeah. about themselves. Mm -hmm. um, that was his line of thinking, and I think it was mm. really different at the time. It's like all this with the black curtains, and <laughs> right, Tom? No, there's no theory. You're creating the space for an iconic image to yeah. just present itself, yeah. really. 
Yeah, with the podcast, I think we're just getting to try to sound good, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's more for more yeah, of a sound, it's more for the sound than yeah. the psychological. No, it's very interesting. A lot of good, good stories. So the next one we have is photographic memory: the album in the age of photography of Werner Posaver Curtis, and this is an aperture book. And this book is pretty nuts. So just give us a little bit. Why did why did you bring this one? Um, I went to see the artist talk, the author talk. Uh, with the author and Dwayne Michaels was the guest that night at the Aperture Store and had the book autographed. I'm a big fan of Dwayne's, so Mm -hmm. um, when I saw the book, I couldn't leave without owning it. (laughs) So I made an exception to my budget that week (laughs) and just bought the book because I knew that it would be a resource for me Mm -hmm. um, for graphic design and layouts, which um, I was looking for ways to get better at printing my work and mm-hmm. thinking about zines and um, doing edits mm-hmm. and layouts for zines. And I thought that this spoke to that perfectly. It's albums and Love photo albums. the most tactile, high-resolution reproductions mm-hmm. of some photo albums from the Library of Congress. Mm-hmm. Um, no, this is really blew my I mean, because of, like the... You, there's, uh, there's been a lot written about like the death of the family album with the internet. Like, everyone just shows up on Facebook. Maybe you don't actually have the family albums and how family right. albums are such precious objects. And this is this is really kind of the album. And obviously, it's Aperture looking at it as like the album as art. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's amazing. I mean, I think that's to look at this the way... Um, photography is put together without a, diff- a different intention where these days a photo book is so intent on being a photo book and speaking the photo book history or being you know an art object and all that the, the, the album of making an album is different again it goes back into like the archiving impulses like mm-hmm. if we want to put this into you know a physical form and we're going to do it as like that's the intent is the archiving rather than necessarily making it into art and then Boom, you know, later it turns in that it actually is art, you know. So I think it's, it's fascinating. The initial impulse to use photography mm-hmm. for memorialization and memory, and mm-hmm. um, that's really changed uh, in photography and the way that we consume photography today. So I really thought it was a worthwhile expense. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, this is I knew is, this that I would be nuts. looking is, back at it for a while. Yeah, this is great. I mean, this is just... It gives again, again that just like that other that other perspective on how photography can be used and how it's done for one type of function, but when you look at it from a different perspective, it's you know it's, this is art, you know what I mean? Like these people were making art, and that was not necessarily their intent, you know. But I yeah, I think it's amazing. It was. I mean, some of these spreads. I mean, I don't. I, the the ten photos we're gonna put up isn't gonna do this justice. I mean, there's so much. Um, yeah, and the high res scans of it too, and being able to see the full full spreads within the book, like that format is just yeah. That's a Hindenburg, right? No French airships. No, this is a good one. This is this is definitely a good one for the photo book kind of real hardcore nerds. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of them own it already. Um, we're probably late to the game. You know yeah. what I mean, like, when did it come out? Is this? Uh, like, oh, yeah, you didn't know about that book? It was X amount of years ago. So it's Aperture and Library of Congress, too. Huh. 
Yeah. So that's where they got most of it. When do you forget? Oh, that's just some extra unrelated ephemera <laughs> tucked in. <laughs> I just uh, pulled it off my shelf and then some extra stuff stuck in there. Where do you where do you find where the book I'm is? looking, I'm looking. Um, shouldn't it be at the uh Anyways, we'll figure it out when it was published. I'm looking it up. I would say oh and Thames and Hudson in London as well, too. It's, uh twenty eleven. Okay. Yeah, so 2011. So it's been out there five years now. Wow, time really flies. <laughs> well, this is one. I mean, this is this is one I want to get for sure. You should. I should tell yeah. You tell me what I shouldn't have. You should, you should do that right <laughs> now. You should do it. Order it. Come on. Order it before the price goes <laughs> yeah. up. You can see, I guess, where 2011 is when I started taking the Teenage Rampage book seriously uh, as well. So yeah, it was yeah, yeah. directly into... Oh, so you had this since 2000, you got it right away? Yeah, right when oh, it came nice. out and then nice. felt inspired to put these zines together myself and you can see the relation there. Definitely. Okay, so the next one is Toilet Paper. And this is, um, who's the artist? I got that from a PS1 bookstore. Mm -hmm. It's um, Maurizio Catalan mm -hmm. and uh, his partner. Um and it's really stylized Italian fashion conceptual kind mm -hmm. of <laughs> uh, absurdist imagery. Uh huh. Yeah, it's um. There's some crazy spreads in here. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta. I kinda... love the colors and yeah. um, just the feeling. Uh, what was it, Carl? Say, what is that? What the that card in the no. Uh, oh, okay. Huh. Respawn message, November 16th, 19th, where Dr. Frank Drake and Carl Sagan. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the correlation is here. There's oh, I, I don't know. I'm just a Carl Sagan fan. I wanted to know what the angle was. I mean, it's just some event. At I'm not, we're going to keep the photograph a secret because I'm not going to describe it. <laughs> okay. Time. It's cheeky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There you go. No, I think this is. I mean, yeah. But these are. This is all advertising, right? His work is very commercial. Mm. Um, I do really like some of the fashion films and short films that are online that mm. I've seen of his, and um, just kind of draw from the lighting in a lot of them and uh, kind of use of. Um, I guess uh, imagery like that calls to some nightmare type mm -hmm. situation. Some of it is mm -hmm. really edgy, and um, yeah, it's dark. I mean, there's that kind of dark Italian sense of humor. You know, definitely can tell that. So I did spend a lot of time assisting commercial and advertising photographers. Mm -hmm. So the clean light and kind of sweeps in the background it's just mm -hmm. isolating some of the imagery on a clean background and framing it with these essays too mm -hmm. it's just it makes for interesting sunday coffee <laughs> Browsing, yeah. yeah coffee table piece yeah no it's definitely interesting i'm a fan of the color yeah it's very rich yeah it's very rich. definitely saturated and punchy so the the last one we have here is, so this is the one where I would, it's good, it's U.S. camera. What's going on here? You know, I don't know that much about it. 
it's been in my collection mm. for a while from a book, a box of books that was kind of passed on to me, and I was going to just get rid of it, uh, like into the box of donations, right. and I, for some reason, held on to it because I keep going back to some of the uh, mostly photojournalism images. I believe it was a source book mm. for photographers and, or source book of different photographers. Right, work. so it looks like it was a competition. Oh, okay. 19, right. maybe Edward Wesson and Major Ace Decision were judges, but due to the press of other engagements <laughs> and their regrets at the last moment, they will serve on next year's committee. Edward Steichen. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, no, so we have different. Oh, Edward Steichen was the judging. Yeah. So I'm look, just as curious as you are huh. about this book. I love it, man. And it's been on my shelf for a while. I can't seem to get rid of it. I mean, it's Somebody, in some really photo, good Some photo historian. Oh, yeah, of course. That was like one of the first right. photography competitions. Like, how, how do you guys idiots not know that? Right. No, Brett Weston. No, there's a lot of very kind of like um, iconic photographers in here. And it's like, yeah, it's like a survey of very early American photography. Or not very early, but I guess uh, 30s. Yeah. Earlier. 1937. Yeah. yeah. Again, another one I think... Uh, I like it just because of the randomness. <laughs> it's yeah. like all well, over the place that you flip it, and it's like there's no... One spread I keep going mm. back to that has um, a photograph of a woman breastfeeding and what mm. looks like a oh, family yeah, yeah. of immigrants mm -hmm. that could just as well be today. Mm -hmm. I think there's a, a real importance on photographing the migrant crisis that we have mm. today. And yeah. so I was just reflecting on it, thinking mm. how relevant... And on the opposite so. page, uh, there's J.P. Morgan, right? which today might as well be Jamie Dimon, I guess. Yeah, how much has really changed, people? Yeah. <laughs> the golden age of time. I mean, yeah, it's like a survey. Yeah, this is, you really got to read this, what's going on here. There's some photo, like, Kodak ads in it as well, mm -hmm. too. This is really where the podcast kind of fails. <laughs> like, you kind of need us to be paging through it and looking at it as yourself. But, like, yeah. It's, Check it's, out our spreads on Tumblr. Yeah, definitely. Our blog. I guess we don't promote that enough, do we, Tom? Uh, some people have told me they didn't know it existed. Well, you know, I don't know. Well, it's out well, there. Well, now we're saying it in the, in the in actual the show. show. Go check it out. It's, a, it's on Tumblr, and it's blog.lpvshow.com. We got show notes and links. Behind-the-scenes photos. Yeah. All the good stuff. You're missing out if you're not checking it out. <laughs> there's our little, there's our little, our, our little pitch in the middle of the show. So that's... It's a very good selection. I mean, I definitely think there's a lot to dig into here. So what do you, what's, what's kind of on your horizon next? What do you got going on? Oh, well, um, I'm working on some more studio work, um, mm. kind of putting together my next portfolio of images. I'm planning a trip to Ecuador with my grandfather. Oh, yeah, you oh. mentioned it, yeah. And um, should be exciting, I guess, in... By the time this comes out, mm -hmm. we'll be into summer, mm -hmm. and I'll be in Los Angeles mm -hmm. um, in July. So, yeah, that'll be for fun and also to document the 25-year anniversary of a record label. If I was going to do another Teenager Rampage, that's what it would be about. What's, uh, what's yeah, the record what, label? Yeah, label? In the Red Records. Uh -huh. um, so one of the songs I sent you, um, Kid Congo and the Pink Monkey Birds, uh -huh. they will be there. And um, Larry Hardy has been a really great influence. I mean, he's got impeccable taste. Uh, all the bands that he mm. put out 
puts out seem to do really well touring and um yeah it's gonna be a really good time i've done some uh album photos as well for some Mm -hmm. of his bands and just keep coming back to it as one of the staples in my Mm -hmm. music collection like the in the red section has always Hmm. got something good at the Mm -hmm. record store i encourage anyone to check it out um yeah so that's What's coming up this So summer. you definitely, you're definitely, you're going to, do you feel like you're always going to be photographing music, live music? No. No? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> oh, now if I have like, the opportunity to, yeah, yes, but um, I'm getting older <laughs> and it's not, um, no, there's a new way of photographing music. I think mm-hmm. we have iPhones now that can document live music experiences just as well. Mm. Um, It is still very important. I'm not undermining the importance of Mm -hmm. professional photographers in the live music Mm -hmm. space. But as I get a little bit older, Mm. I'm interested in becoming more of a director Mm. of photography Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, working on my studio practice Mm -hmm. and being a better producer. Well, you, yeah, you have like your portraiture too. It's like, we'll show, like you check out some of that on the Tumblr as well too. But I I mean, I saw you, you did Chuck Close. You photographed Chuck Close. Yeah, that was really fun. And that's, you know, I mean, hell, one of the greatest artists in the last. So what was that like photographing Chuck Close? Intense. Yeah. (laughs) He has um, a beautiful studio, home studio in Mm. Long Beach and I teamed up with one of my photography teachers mm-hmm. um, from the Hallmark Institute named Paul Teeling, who is now at uh, UMass, and he was producing a film, a short documentary about Chuck Close, so he invited me on mm-hmm. um, for the camera work, and I helped kind of put together a lighting schematic and plan our day shooting him for that interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to take some portraits of him while I was there too. Wow. I mean, they're very beautiful. Like, so, Thank but you. he, what was, cause he knows a thing or two about making a portrait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mean, like what? So you staring, staring at him. <laughs> like, With his wh- self portrait on an easel behind yeah, him yeah. in what, his workspace. Yeah. And um, he can has, you just see his eyes? Don't screw this up. Don't screw <laughs> there. Or is he just chill? He was so chill. Oh, nice. And nice. Um, a little bit uh, exhausted. Mm. You know, his uh, he's in a special chair mm-hmm. for anyone who doesn't know. He has mm-hmm. a special condition, um, uh, face blindness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his work is reliant on a special easel that's on gears that can move, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, the whole thing can rotate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty in, intense to see it in action. And wow. um, we went to this amazing local restaurant and had lobster rolls because it's right there on the beach. Mm-hmm. And that's what he wanted to wow. do. You know, we wanted to make sure that he was like at ease and comfortable. So mm-hmm. went to his favorite place and um, he gave us, he was very generous with his time. So. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I don't so always have that much time with um, uh, like really famous people, you know, like Joan Jett. Mm-hmm. Photographed her a few times, and it's always like you have five minutes. And that's <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, so that's where you get into snapshot mode. Like I'm gonna right. get my pictures and get out of here. So that's definitely the path you kind of see yourself going down. It's like doing the portraiture, director of photography, and mm-hmm. leave leave uh, leave all the live music and all that to to the archives. I've started to just enjoy the shows more. Mm. I still bring a camera and mm. I'll take some photographs because it's an impulse. Once you know how to take a really solid image of someone at a microphone with a guitar, mm. you never forget how to do it. Mm. 
Um, but I also wanted to challenge myself a little bit more. So I'm working on um, being a better producer, a better entrepreneur, um, and building a business plan for my photography practice mm-hmm. that is sustainable and serves my subjects, my clients mm-hmm. better. You know, So uh, keeping up with the rapid pace changes in mm-hmm. our industry mm-hmm. is a job, a full-time job <laughs> itself. Yeah. You know, just yeah. trying to keep your work um, accessible and mm-hmm. on a level of quality um, that works for these new media mm-hmm. type platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, is yeah part, fun, of, part of my practice yeah it's a fundamental challenge i mean it's mm-hmm. it's, it's what everyone's uh facing yeah yeah i think shooting more moving pictures mm-hmm. is in my future i've embraced fully all of the possibilities of um like progressive frame rates and mm-hmm. extracting still images mm-hmm. from video mm-hmm. and um yeah there's just so much happening in in the way of like Robust graphics and immersive storytelling. 360, I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 360 yeah. and VR, it all comes full yeah. circle. Like, ah. Yeah, yeah so. I, I'm all about it. I'm mm. really excited to see where we go mm. um, with image making. And awesome. Yeah. Well, we look forward to see where, where you go with it. Thank you so much for joining us and bringing, uh, bringing these books and, and intelligent conversation. Thanks for having me. It's a real treat. Until yeah. next time, guys. Thanks again for joining us. You can go behind the scenes of this episode, see the work of our guests and the photos we discussed by visiting our Tumblr and lpvshow.com. If you'd like to support the production of the show, this year we are offering a subscription for $20. As a subscriber, you will get exclusive access to our weekly email newsletter, which will contain a bonus conversation about some of the interesting stories we find on the web. Also, at the end of the year, we'll be raffling off three awesome photo books exclusively to our subscribers. We appreciate your support and hope you continue to enjoy the show. If you have any questions, please feel free to send them to info at lpvshow.com or connect with us on Twitter at lpvshow. The LPV Show is executive produced by Brian Formals and Tom Starkweather. Our score is by Tom Starkweather, who also mixes the show. Special thanks to Eddie Volanti and Brett A. Davis. Thanks for listening. Yeah.